I'm Bishop Sherman Young. Each week, the Word Break podcast answers questions about God, faith, and other spiritual issues. Here is this week's message. I see time and harvest. This year, I'm going to talk with you on the genius of seed creation. Seed creation. And I'm going to talk to you and remind some of you and inform others of you that everything God does, he does it with seeds. Everything God does, he uses seeds. Everything, let me say that again, everything that God does, he does it with seeds. Everything he does. The reason that's important is so that we will understand that the seed was what God created in order to keep life going on the earth. How many believe that God created the heavens and the earth? How many truly believe that? Now, some people believe in evolution. They believe that there was a big explosion in the darkness and the universe as a product of that and that life came from the explosion. The Christian understanding is that in the beginning, God created the heavens and earth. And that is a, a Judeo-Christian uh, understanding, meaning it is both Jewish and Christian. And I'd like to use for the verse today, as you have on your worship sheet, Galatians 6 and 7. Let's read that together. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked for whatever a man sows. That will he also reap. Thank you, ushers. For the series, The Genius of Seed Creation, today I'm going to talk about all we need is in a seed. All we need is in a seed. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. The word mocked, of course, has to do with being made fun of. You will never make fun of God or you will never accuse God of not keeping his word. Whatever a man, and the word, of course, means women also or mankind, whatever a person sows, S-O-W-S, another word for that is plants. So can we say it that way? Would you repeat after me? Whatever. I plant, yes, whatever I plant, that will or he will also reap or harvest. Whatever I plant, whatever I plant, that I will also harvest. Whatever I plant. I guess if we flip that around, it would say, if I don't plant, I won't harvest. If you can look in your life in the last 90 days and not see any harvest, it's an indicator that you haven't planted. Well, we can go back to one year, October last year to October this year. Any harvest? Any significant breakthrough, 
can you stand here in front of us and testify of some tremendous outpouring? Because when we talk about harvest and we talk about reaping, imagine if you didn't have a job and you had to live off the land. And the only food that your family would ever eat at home is food that you've grown on your own land. You see, it's a little different for us today because we can either go to the grocery store or the restaurant or the drive-thru and we can get food one way or the other. But what if we were living in that time before this time when the only food your family could eat is food that you harvested from your own ground? How would you feel if it was harvest time and there was nothing in your field but weeds and grass. And you would complain to others and say, you know, I don't know why we don't have any food to eat. And the others would say, well, what did you plant? And you would say, oh, no, I have ground. I have acreage. I have field. I have soil. I'm looking for food. And your neighbor would say, okay. What did you plant? And you would say, no, you don't understand. I have a field. I have soil. I have acreage. I was looking for corn or tomatoes or tomatoes. I was looking for wheat. And your neighbor would say, what did you plant? And you would say to your neighbor, you're not getting it. I have soil. Soil produces vegetables. But your neighbor would say, but if you didn't plant any seeds, you can't get any vegetables. Are you looking for vegetables when you haven't planted anything? You say, but I have life. I have health. I have strength. But have you planted anything inside of that life, health, and strength? But I have God, and I love the Lord. And God would say, hey, dude, did you plant anything? Now, what does that mean? We all have the opportunity to reap. We all have opportunity to harvest. And we all participate in the magnitude of the harvest and the reaping. But without my intentional and deliberate participation, there is no harvest. And it also means if I plant scarcely, then I can only expect to reap scarcely. If I plant more, I will reap more. First thing I need to say to you is the seed is one step lower than creation. Now, what is creation about? God stepped out on nowhere. Church, would you say nowhere? God stepped out where? Nowhere. And then nowhere took nothing. So we've got God in nowhere with nothing. And then God, from somewhere, made something. Now, we can't do that. 
God is a creator. We are constructionists. God can take nothing, zero, and make something. But if you give me something, I can turn it into something else. But I cannot make something out of nothing. Give me a ball of clay. I can turn it into a statue worth thousands. Give me jars of paint and a canvas, and I can turn that into a painting or portrait worth millions. Give me skill and give me tools and give me material, I can make an automobile. Give me nothing and I can make nothing. So God took nothing and made something, but are you listening? Here's what he did. Since he knows that I can make nothing unless I've got something to work with, he gave us all something to work with seed and inside the seed is whatever you need do you realize that all of us one day were seed that was a meeting held between a man and a woman that got you here and somewhere in the course of that meeting seed was planted now, I don't want to take you off on a journey where you may not get back to hear the rest of what I've got to say. But use your own imagination in understanding that when that release of seed happened, they were all chasing the same egg. And you happen to be the one to get in. Without seed, we wouldn't be here. And... Any man can count the seeds in an apple, but how many apples are there in a seed? You take something as small as one apple seed, put it in the soil, and it becomes a tree filled with apples year after year after year. And every apple has seed in it. So you can potentially get tens of thousands of apples out of one seed. Would you say one seed? Say everybody, say one seed can produce tens of thousands of its own kind. Do you know in that release when you made it to that egg there was nearly a million other seeds trying to get there? And they all died. And you made it. You ought to thank God for that. That's why life is so precious and important. That's why we don't go around just creating life for recreational purposes. That's why we don't just go make babies because we ain't got nothing else to do. I, I could use a little help right there. That's why we have to be careful about destroying babies. We don't destroy babies because we recognize that life comes from God and not from us. With all the advances in medical science, they still cannot create a person. Now they say they can clone a person and I believe that because I think I've met some clone folk and so have you. And I just want to give a word of caution to some of you who are good about, you know, Match.com and Farmers Only and Plenty of Fish 
Dot-com. And if you don't know what these are, they're dating websites. Black people meet. You know, sexyfolkmeet.com, whatever. Be careful who you're meeting. They may be cloned. And a clone would be a scientific mistake. When you have a seed, you remember that orange seed you spit out? That apple seed, that grape seed that you bit and it was bitter and you expelled it out of your mouth? That's a part of creation. That's as close to creation as you can get. Because everything that God made, he put seed inside of it so that it could reproduce itself without him having to come back to earth and make another earth. So there are seeds in what God created, which means locked inside of the seed is the genius of God. Come on, I need a witness. His ways are not like our ways. Our thoughts are not like his thoughts. The closest you can get to God is a seed. You can explain how your car works if you go to school. You can explain how your color television flat screen works. You can explain how your remote control works if you're trained in that area so that you can go from channel to channel to channel to channel to channel. You cannot explain how a seed works. You tried to, when you were a kid, you tried. You took a knife and cut one open. You bit one and looked at it and tried to figure it out. I wish I had a witness. I'm looking for some people here that used to not just eat the fried chicken off the bone, but chew on the bone. I know it's a few of you here that the chicken was so good when you got to the bone, you bit the end off and chewed that. And when you got through chewing the tendon, you bit the bone to look at the marrow inside the bone. I wish I had a witness. Now, some of you Curious nature observers tried to figure a seed out. The hardest seed for me to try to figure out was the peach seed. Because the peach seed was big and rough. And no matter how I bit it, I couldn't bite it in half. Seeds are as close to God in the natural as you can get. You see, the things about God that are so mysterious are things we can't figure out. Even Jesus said this about the wind. The wind blows where it listeth or where it chooses to blow. You cannot tell where it came from or where it's gone. You can't figure the wind out. Because the wind is a reflection of the breath of God. When God created Adam, the Bible said he knelt down and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul. Hey, when your breath stops, you're dead. I wish I had a witness. Now, they put us on machines and they do things to keep the body going and the, and the, and the heart pumping, but you know that life is gone because there is no breath on its own. Is that right? Well, the breath is wind. Wind is God. Can you figure the wind out? These hurricanes, 
twirling, these tornadoes that twist and turn. The cool breeze, can you figure it out? Do you know what you'll do when it is hot? You, okay, you got a hot cup of coffee, right? You'll blow on it to cool it down. But when your hands are cold, you'll use the same breath to warm them up. How does that work? How can I use my breath to cool one thing and then use my breath to heat something else? Because it's a mystery. And seeds are a mystery. And the seed puts a demand on the earth, forcing it to provide what it needs to produce. When you put a seed in the ground, the ground doesn't control the seed. The seed controls the ground. That seed, are you listening, demands from the ground certain natural things to make it work. The seed goes in the ground. The, ground, the seed says to the ground, give me what I need in order to become who I am. And the ground has no choice. Everybody repeat, my seed drives my soil. Now, it's not the other way around. It's not your life determines how much seed you will have. No, your seed determines how much life you will have. And the big mistake that we make in thinking a lot of times with our worldly minds is that if I want, something, I ought to get it because I want it. Therefore, I deserve a Mercedes. So I'm going to make myself get one. Then when the guy comes and tows it on the back of the truck, well, I don't know what happened. I, maybe I should have started off with a BMW. You're trying to make life lead you. Life leads your seed. Pastor, I hear what you're talking about, the seed and stuff, but you don't know what I'm going through. You don't understand what my challenges are. You're trying to let the soil lead the seed. You're determining, please listen, you're determining how much seed is sown based on how hard your life is. That will only keep you in poverty. The seed controls the soil. The soil doesn't control the seed. Although there's more soil than seed, the seed has dominion over the soil, not the reverse. See, it's not the size of your problem. It's the power of your seed. I'll get a witness in a minute. Let me try this side. It's not the size of your problem. It's the power of your seed. Everybody over here, including me, has problems. Now, am I going to serve my problem or make my problem serve me? Am I going to serve the problem or am I going to make the problem serve the God that I serve? Well, God has given me a way to make the problem bow down. It's called seed. See, I have soil, I just have to put the soil to work. And the only way to put the soil to work is to put the right seed in the right place. And that will solve the problem. 
But if I let life tell me how it's going to be, I'll never get up. Now, I realize that people, when you talk about this, are trying to understand how can I make that seed get to where it needs to get to. But I have to consider the process about it. The seed that I have is alive. Everybody say, my seed, please. My seed is what? Alive. But it has to dry and die before it can produce. And you have to put it out of your sight. You can't lay it on the ground and watch it. What are you doing? I'm watching my seed. Make sure somebody don't come along and get it. It has to go out of your sight. Because the seed multiplies itself. And the ground doesn't determine the harvest. The seed does. As smart as Sherman Young may or may not be, Sherman Young cannot determine his harvest. But the seed will determine the harvest based on what I do. So here's point number two. God's word has dedicated seed for our need. Repeat after me once more. All you need is in the seed. See, here's the way God works. There's dedicated seed in the Bible. That's why we have a Bible. Let me lift mine up. This is not a textbook. This is not a novel. It's not a compendium. This is not just for education. This is the word of God, which is the power of God to make me successful. My success is right here. Your success is right here. Now, you can go to motivational classes and listen to motivational speakers, and that's well to do. And you can get other kind of books that people have written, and that is great to read. You can go on the Internet. You can, you can uh, uh, submit yourself to trainings in different areas of life, and I think we all should. But the Christian success is the word of God. What did God say? My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. What does that mean? That means I've given them everything they need, but they won't apply it. When I see a Christian struggling, I'm not talking about struggling because of some birth defect or something like that. I'm talking about a person that could be prospering and they're not. I know what they don't want me to know. They don't know how to use their Bible. Sometimes we get hostile about it when we're not doing well. Man, some people get angry when they're not doing well. Some folk get jealous. Or they gossip and just talk about you because you're doing better. Why are they angry? Why is the attitude like that? Do you, you ain't got to be gossiping, talking, looking over the fence and uh, falsely accusing folk. Well, I know how she got that money. No, you don't. You weren't over there. You wasn't sitting in the kitchen. No, you don't. But here's the deal. When you are not where you need to be in your life, you can tend to be jealous of others who are getting there. And in order to make self feel better, I got to put you down in order for me to feel like 
you're just like me. The truth is, we're all human, so we are just alike. The truth is, we're all full of error and mistake, so we're all just alike. The truth is, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. <laughs> we're just alike. But the difference is, this person uses the word. This person thinks it's just a book. And so, human beings are the only creatures God made that has the ability to adapt to anything. Do you know you can take a palm tree in Florida and plant it in Michigan and it's not going to make it? Because it can't adapt. I wish I had a witness. Some of y'all, you can live here in Alabama, but if you live, you know, on the equator, like in Africa or South America or Central America, wherever the equator runs by, and it would be 130 degrees every day, you, you'd have trouble, but you'd learn how to live there. How do you think some people can survive in Alaska or New Zealand? Because human beings can adopt, adapt, to all climates and all situations, even being poor. So if I have to, are y'all with me? Because if you, if you, if it's rough now, it's really getting ready to hit a bump in the road. If I have to go and get a 40% interest loan to make it, that's what I'll do. It doesn't matter to me. Have you ever wondered why in our neighborhoods you see all these lone places on the corner? I wish I had a witness. Anybody, can anybody pray with me? Payday loans and title ponds. And why is it always around us? Because we struggle financially. And when you're struggling financially and you need help, and you can't get it from a bank or credit union. You're going to go where you can get it because you've learned how to adapt. If I got a job, I can make it, huh? And if I ain't got a job, I can still make it. I haven't seen anybody lose weight and die from starvation because they were unemployed. So, well, Pastor, we need to have Brother, Brother Cornbread's funeral. So, what, what did he die from? Unemployment. So, Brother Cornbread was unemployed. No, because we find a way to make it. Grandmama found a way to make it. She didn't eat meat every day. She ate it on Sunday. But she put meat skin in the, in the vegetables. She found a way. Banana sandwiches. Mayonnaise sandwiches. I don't have any help around here. She, she couldn't bake cookies because she couldn't buy all that, but she made tea cakes. She found a way. Didn't have money always to get, you know, she didn't call them Coca-Cola, Coca-Colas. But she drank sugar water. So what is sugar water? Just take sugar, put it in the water, stir it up. 
Somebody in here now drinking sugar water. So because we know how to adapt, we bring our faith to our struggle rather than bring our struggle to our faith. Let me try it again. See, we'll get up in church and brag about I'm poor, I'm broke, I'm hard to get, um, to get by, and I'm struggling. Thank God he's with me. See, we bring our faith to our struggle when we're supposed to bring our struggle. See, we're supposed to say, I'm poor, I'm broke, it's hard to get along, and I'm struggling. God, get me out of this mess. Rather than that, we say, thank God he's keeping me. And then we'll shout about it. Because we've adapted. Seeds produce after their kind. Check this out. In the word, and I'm almost through, if you want to be saved, you want to be a Christian, you want to be saved, what scriptures would you use? Jesus wept. Would that help you? What scripture would you use? Um, what about the verse where it says, whatsoever your hands find to do, do it. Would that save you? What scripture would you use? If you shall believe with your mouth and confess with your, if you uh, believe with your heart and confess with your mouth that God has raised Jesus from the dead, thou shall be. See, that, that word is a seed to bring salvation. If you want to be healed, we're going to have a healing service. What verse would we use? With his stripes, you were healed. If we need money, what verse would we use? In the beginning, God created heaven and earth. Would that, would that help you financially? Uh, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. I said, Lord, in the house of the Lord forever. Would that help you financially? I know where Jesus told Judas, whatsoever thou do, do it quickly. Would that help you? What verses would help you? And if you can't answer, that means you haven't been using your word. Because there are verses in the Bible designed to change your circumstance. You said, what are they? Oh, I'm not going to give them to you right now. I was expecting you to give them to me. Because if you deal with that type of struggle then the word is ready to help you with that come on you know a few of them my God shall supply according to his through Christ come on you know a few of them come on the Lord is my shepherd I you know they're in there the question is have you been using them? Or have you been struggling, 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 and then this is the verse you use. Weeping may endure for night. Joy comes in the morning. Because then you're bringing faith to your struggle rather than bringing your struggle to your faith. 
I'll get a witness in a minute. You see, if I want to argue with my family, if I want to argue with my wife, all I got to do is speak some argumentative words. Because what am I going to get back, ladies? Because words are seed. They bring a harvest. If you speak strife, you get. You know what women don't like? When you speak strife one, one minute, then you try to speak love the next minute. Because the man came in, he's blowed off his steam, told her what he don't like, what he ain't going to take, how it's going to be different. Then he want to be kissing on her. She said, you don't be kissing on me, talking to me like that. Why? Because what you sow, y'all are catching on. I like that. All right. If you want to make war, use words of war. But if you want to make love, all right, everybody rusty on that love-making thing. I won't use that anymore. Compliments beget compliments. Love begets love. Where there needs to be a harvest, there needs to be the right seed spoken. Money produces money. The Bible refers to money as the Christian seed. Would you read this in uh, 2 Corinthians 9, 10, and 11? The Bible refers to money as Christian seed. Let's read it together. This is from the Christian Standard Bible. Come on. Now the one who provides seed for the sower and bread for food will provide and multiply your seed and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in a few ways, you know, in one way. You will be enriched in every way for your selfishness. For all generosity which produces thanksgiving to God through us. What's the verse saying? I'm glad you asked. God wants me to be a generous person. But I can't be generous if I ain't got nothing to be generous with. So how am I going to get to be generous? The seed, the, go back to the top of the verse. The one who provides seed. Now who did I say provide seed? They can't make seed in a laboratory. Where does seed come from? Huh? It comes from where? It comes from who? So the one who provides seed. See, when I said to you that God gave seed for everything, I wasn't just talking about in the Garden of Eden. He's still making seed. There's enough seed. Here we go again. Just walk with me. Be patient because I'm getting through in a couple of minutes. There's enough seed in this room right now to fill the population uh, of the United States with the men in this room right now. That's how generous God is. If God can put an orchard in every seed in an apple, that means that five seeds in one apple can be five different orchards. Oh, y'all not praying here. No. There's enough, there's enough apples in one apple to feed all of Birmingham for years off of nothing but apples. That's how generous your God is. 
God doesn't want me struggling. God doesn't want me straining. God doesn't want me crawling and begging. God wants me to prosper. And the way I know he wants me to prosper is because he always overdoes it when it comes to provision. How many stars are in the sky? How many do you need? How many are in the Milky Way? How many do you need? Okay, your yard, how many blades of grass are in your yard? And why you got to cut it all the time? Because even though it's there, it keeps multiplying and keeps growing. You're aggravated, but you ought not be aggravated because it means that whatever God provides, it continues to increase. I have two neighbors. My neighbor next door is a wonderful man. We, we holler back and forth at each other. That man's grass dies every year. I mean, his whole front yard. Every year, I'm talking about every July, he has to order new grass and lay it down. And what do you call that? Pallets? Or what do you call that, brethren? What do you call the little squares of grass you put in the yard? Huh? Sod. Every year. Every, I'm talking about every year. Every year in July, that dude, he, he has to dig up everything dead and lay something else down. And it's beautiful. But I got another neighbor across the street. Now, now my neighbor next door, he, he is up 6 o'clock every morning working in that yard. I mean, I've gone out there. It ain't even 6 yet. The sun is dark. And I look, and he's there fooling around that yard, fooling around that yard. I got another neighbor, Cole, across the street. He has the most beautiful lawn in the neighborhood. Not only that, he has a garden of shrubs, you know, hedges. In a big area, as big as this stage. It's beautiful. It's laid out. Do you know, I just realized the other day, I've never seen that man in his yard. Not one day. The guy next to me lives in his yard. And his grass dies all the time. The guy across the street from me, I ain't never seen him. And he's got the most beautiful yard in the neighborhood. Do you feel like you just keep working and working and still ain't getting nowhere? You feel like you digging up your grass every year, still laying it down? Do you feel like you just sweating and grunting and groaning and complaining and fretting and crying? Do you feel like God has passed you by, not looking out for you, won't bless you, won't take care of you? Maybe... You got a sod problem. I'm through. God furnishes the seed, verse 10. Everybody say, God furnishes. Then he turns around and said in verse 10, he'll not only furnish it, but he produces the harvest. Then he comes in verse 11 and said, and he'll make you rich enough that you can be generous. God gives me the seed. God gives me the harvest. And God makes me abundant. Somebody said there is abundance and no lack. Say it again, please. There is what? Your growing grass is teaching you in God there's abundance and no lack. It just keeps on growing. You just got to keep on cutting it. That's the way God works. In 
in God, there is no shortage. He doesn't fall short. He doesn't come up short. He wants me to have way more than I need so that I can give it away. I know why most people want to be wealthy is so they can enjoy it. Maybe that's why you have to replant every year. Because your motives are bad. You're supposed to let the Lord increase you so he can use you as a blessing station for other people. Before that gas got in your car, Exxon had to put it in the ground at the filling station. Before I can help you, I got to be helped first. I wish I had some help. But God is going to give me enough. You said, Pastor, that sounds so good, but I, I ain't got nothing. Well, then God is a liar. Because this word said, he'll give you seed. He will give you harvest from the seed. And he will increase you. Bow your heads for the moment. See yourself in a better place. See yourself in a better place. See yourself as a sower working for a landowner. Your life is not your own. I don't care what your name is or how old you are. You're here on borrowed time. You're paying rent on that old building you're living in, too. And it's, it's leaning. Your hair's turning gray. And you have to ask people to repeat themselves sometimes because you didn't hear it right. <laughs> you just change your glasses again. Doctor told you you got to have bifocals. You can still go where you used to go, but you just don't have the energy you had when you get there. You paying rent on that old place you're living in. But what I preach to you today will follow you throughout eternity. Because we're sons of God. We're children of God. We're God's favorite. What I love about the Lord is he doesn't love me any more than he loves you. So when you look at other folk and you think that God is better to them, baby, he's not better to them. They're working the word. You said, but I know some people in my neighborhood, they, what they got, they ain't working the word. Yeah, but the Bible said one day you'll consider their place and they won't be found. I'm talking about blessed people, any blessed people here. With blessed people, God says... that he would take care of us. You say, well, Bishop, how do I get started? It starts, number one, with changing your attitude. Number two, change your confession. Watch the way you talk. Stop talking poverty. Stop talking struggle. Stop blaming everybody in your life for dragging you down and keeping you down. Not only change your attitude and change your conversation or confession, but then change the way you obey God. 
do what God says even if it's uncomfortable or even if it hurts. Don't bring faith to your struggle. Bring your struggle to your faith. Make your struggle serve God and he will deliver you from that struggle. He'll do it today in Jesus' name. While we're getting ready to pray, somebody today may be so motivated that you say, I want to accept Jesus as my Savior. Somebody else today may want to say, well, he's already my Savior, but I want to make him my Lord because I need to give again today. I need to sow again today. I need to open my treasures again today. I need to do more today because I got a situation. As we're getting ready to pray, let me say this to you in a personal way. There have been times in my life I couldn't see tomorrow. I was so down and so discouraged and so broke. But the only thing I knew to do that Sunday in church was just give what I gave all I had. And I'm a living witness. When that deadline came, some way, somehow, God had put it in my hand to make it through. That word works. Whether you got your Bible in your purse, in your lap, or on your cell phone, that word works. Don't deny it. That word is the owner's manual for your life. You use your owner's manual with your car. Use your Bible for your life. You said, but it's an old book. Honey, that's how I know it's true. Because it's been around all these centuries. And people are still leaning and depending on it. Father, thank you this morning in Jesus' name. Let your will be done as we open the door of this church and come to your table. While heads are bowed and eyes are closed, if you need Jesus as your Savior, would you just slip your hand up? I can see you. Just slip your hand up and say, I want to be saved. I came here to be saved. I need to be baptized.